Welcome to Lawyer's Coach. My name is Oliver Hansard, and each episode of this podcast will feature myself or Claire Rayson, both of us coaches and former lawyers, trying to find out what makes lawyers tick. We'll be hearing from various guests and experts, and then at the end of each episode, we will both be reflecting on what they said. In this episode, Claire Rayson talks to Andy Calder, partner at Kirkland & Ellis. Claire starts by asking Andrew what led him to become a lawyer. It was really just uh, an interest in the legal process, um, being able to to sort of uh, get involved in an area that was completely unique. Uh, None of my family had ever gone to law school or had been lawyers in the past, so it was was kind of a new field. Uh, I was interested in it from a very early age. Uh, along with uh, history, uh, and decided to. There wasn't so much money in uh, in being a history professor, so uh, so law was the way to go. And um, since I went in there, it's become more interesting almost by the year. Uh, beginning to, to never never regretted the choice, and I've really begun to see some interesting aspects of of the uh, legal profession. It's been been a great ride. And you've had quite an interesting journey because um, we met, I, I don't want to say how many years ago now because it makes me sound <laughs> old, but but back in London. And I know that you're now based in Houston. Um, mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit about, about your career and, and where it's taken you? I was in London. Um, I was actually a, a trainee at a firm called Herbert Smith, which many folks may have heard of over there. Um, and uh, along with you, obviously, Claire, and, and really loved uh, practicing in London. Uh, but for personal reasons, I uh, wanted to move back to the United States or move to the United States. Uh, I'd lived here previously and decided um, I would move back. The, the obvious place to go from London was New York. So I practiced in New York for many years uh, with uh, Simpson Thatcher and then moved down to Houston, actually, with Simpson to open their Houston office. Uh, I then moved to Kirkland to, to uh, open their sort of competing Houston office in, in April of 2014. And I've been at Kirkland ever since. Uh, so I've kind of moved around a little bit. But, um, you know, I would say early on, my, my main focus was on M&A. Uh, and then it really became energy as a focus, which made the move to Houston somewhat logical uh, from a, a location perspective. And having practiced both in the UK and the US, I wonder if you could give me some reflections on, first of all, what you think firms in the UK could learn from firms in the US. I think that the, the biggest firms in both both countries are actually a lot more similar than people realise. Um, obviously, uh, they, they've developed in different ways, but I think they're converging on a similar path, which is really focusing on um, high margin work, uh, you know, looking to excel in, in the areas in which they're they're sort of focused on and not trying to be kind of a jack of all trades uh, across the, across the board whatever the UK firms could learn from the US and vice versa, I think they're already learning those lessons and they've been implementing them for many years. Um, and I think the my, my guess is if I was to come back and practice law in London now, the, the magic circle would be unrecognisable from where it was when I was in, in London previously. And you mentioned moving closer together there, and I'm going to use that as a segue into 2020 because um, I think this has been a year where you know, ironically, actually, with with international travel being closed down, it's been a year where everyone has shared a, a, the same experience in, in COVID and the pandemic. Um, so I just wanted to get your reflections from being over in, in, in the US on, on how that's impacted your your firm, what you've 
what you've done differently this year? The obvious thing is we've, we've all worked from home from pretty much March on. I also think it's, it's caused us to reevaluate pretty much everything in terms of business development, in terms of um, you know, how we approach things. Pr- prior to the pandemic, I would say in my case, you know, I was probably on an airplane four days a week. Um, now, uh, you know, I've, I don't think I've flown on a, um, since March of this year. So it, it's really changed things from that perspective. And that doesn't mean that we haven't been doing business development and, and looking to get new clients. It just means we've been doing it differently. So we've done it through Zoom sessions or through, um, you know, other, other forms of contact over the phone, etc. What we're proudest of during all of this is the way that our attorneys have reacted to the changes and they've um, they've really you know gone the extra mile and really shown themselves to be um, fantastically adaptable to, to new, a new situation and particularly a situation where they could have a lot more going on than legal work. Uh, they could have obviously significant impact from the virus itself. Uh, the, the first thing we've stressed all along is that you know, health and safety comes first. You know, we'd rather they focus on their own health and their family's health before they think about legal work. And one of the things that I've been talking to some some guests about is how the ability to work remotely is also going to to change the way that we think about talent. So, you know, you're perhaps a good example of that where, you know, you're in, in London, so you, you worked in the city, then went to New York. So you worked for a firm that was based in New York. You then you then moved to Houston and and so you've you've kind of found work where you are, um, but working remotely gives people the opportunity, obviously, to hire regardless of where people are. Do you think that's going to be something that you're going to see? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, look, I, I, as I say, there are still some some issues with with being completely remote. Uh, the obvious one is. You know, your first couple of years in a law firm, as you well know, um, a lot of your learning process is, is really learning by osmosis. Um, you're basically, you're sitting in the room, you're hearing more senior lawyers on the phone, how they conduct themselves, you know, how they approach issues, how they sort of move forward. And I would say, you know, the first six months in any law firm is really about learning to be in an office. It's learning to be part of a team. It's learning to be, to, to be a practicing lawyer. And I think that part of it is very difficult to instill remotely. Um, anyone that says they've got a complete command of of how you're going to do that without face to face contact, I think is is probably not being realistic or honest about it. I think we'll we're all we'll all puzzle through that over the coming years as to whether that's doable. Um, so so those are issues with it, and that that's the one piece that would prevent me from saying, yeah, you can go hire someone in Edinburgh, Scotland, to do you know legal work for for folks in you know for an office based in London or Texas or wherever else um setting aside of course the the national bar laws and and the state bar laws in the US which would prevent you know necessarily hiring lawyers from anywhere i think that 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 the other sort of uh, gating uh, mechanism on that would be um basically training effective training and and the clients want to know that you're you're effectively going to train your lawyers uh, to the standard they expect to to basically um, be working at a, a marquee firm. Reflecting on what you've said there, you know the challenge with giving kind of the the junior members of the team that ability to to learn by osmosis. Actually, you're at a point in your life, you know, thinking back when I was a trainee, where you didn't have any other family responsibilities, or or you know, actually your friendship groups are formed in the office. 
but when you're you know at the other end you, you've actually you, you've mentioned it yourself you're able to have dinner with your kids so but you're the people that need to be in the office to provide that learning experience so it'll be interesting to see how firms respond to that yeah and and, and the, the issue of isolation is is real um i mean i think you know we we had a couple of folks that joined us uh, right before the pandemic started they, they came from other firms not they, they weren't coming on as junior associates and and even sort of the, those more senior folks, a couple of them picked up the phone to me and said, you know, it really is tough psychologically to basically have your only contact really be at the end of a phone, you know, a, a phone call. Most of the time, if they had any contact, it was over the phone. And of course, they, they didn't really know people that well at their new firm. So it was tough for them to to sort of uh, build those bridges that you would, you would normally have built with new colleagues. So, we, you know, we've done a number of things to try and um, fix that and, and uh, we're, we're working on it. And I, I do think it is possible to move firms, you know, during these times, obviously. Um, but it, it's tough. There, there is an isolation aspect there. And I think um, that that would be the thing I'd be most concerned about with, particularly with brand new first years coming in, where, you know, it's such a steep learning curve to begin with. And it's such an intimidating thing to walk into a law firm. You know, it's something that we will really have to manage if if the work from home environment uh, continues. And you've mentioned there that you have tried a few things. Is there anything that you think you've done that's worked really well that you'd like to share? You know, nothing that's really rocket science. I mean, we just we, we've had sort of regular Zoom calls Um where we'll just get everybody on the phone for an update about how the firm and the office are, you know, how the office is doing, how the firm is doing. Um, we've tried sort of having um, regular emails that go around that basically um, sort of show if someone gets new pets, for example, they'll have, you know, pictures of their new, their new dog and, and uh, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a good sort of group going around. We'll do charity events where, you know, we'll have sort of charity auctions uh, uh, over email. I'm always telling the, the, the attorneys, if, if you've got any great ideas, let me know. And I'd, I'd love to, to do it because it, you know, sort of having that integration and, and that tight net team is, is huge. And you've mentioned a few things there that kind of struck me as bringing the human in. And I think that one of the things with working from home is you do open up your lives in a way that you perhaps wouldn't do if you were in the office. I wonder how that's translating with clients. So are you finding your interactions with clients have changed and how are you responding? Uh, not, not so much, but, but I think that that's because in many cases, um, you know, many of my clients were people that I grew up with. Um, you know, they were, we sort of started really from a private equity perspective. We've now moved into more strategic work, but it was uh, originally, it was mainly a PE client base. And they were sort of growing up in, uh, at the same time I was as an associate. And, and I think that was the case for a lot of the folks that I work with, a lot of the partners at, at, at it's certainly in, in our office and I think generally at the firm. So many of them were friends before this um, and folks that, you know, I would text with or I would, I would call or I'd chat to and, you know, um, not necessarily about work. We'd, we'd, uh, we'd sort of occasionally would get together with families, et cetera. So I, I sort of had that degree of that with many of my clients to begin with. Um, the other, the sort of newer clients are the, are the ones that we've gained through the pandemic. I, we really haven't, um, we really haven't noticed much of a difference other than the fact that, Maybe you're jumping on, on video conferences with them um, and, you know, maybe their dog will be barking in the background or, or you know, a kid will run in in the middle of the the, uh, the, the video conference. Other than, other than that, we really haven't seen much of a difference in communication. 
And I mean, in terms of the US, I think the US has been kind of in the spotlight of the world this year with um, with COVID, but with, you know, I think that's put everyone in the spotlight. But, you know, obviously you've had the, the elections and you've also had the Black Lives Matter movement this year. Um, so it's been, you know, an enormous year of change for the US. I was wondering how your firm has responded to that change. What we're trying to do is is make sure that we're providing a, a fantastic platform for all of our diverse attorneys to have the best career possible. And we've implemented a number of things internally to, to hopefully you know, uh, achieve that. So um, we obviously made a huge charitable commitment. We made $5 million available to diverse causes, um, causes that were, were aimed at promoting equality. And the, the response has been overwhelming. But the money side of it is almost the easy side. Um, the, the more important side is um, it's basically making our attorneys feel as though they have a great career at, at Kirkland and we will promote diversity throughout our organisation. We really have focused from the very highest level, um, including from our, our chairman down, uh, on ensuring that it's an absolute bedrock principle of the firm. Um, the final thing we've tried to do is obviously make the place a uh, a safe space for ideas um, and, and a safe space for for our attorneys to, to sort of let us know, you know, what what they need to, to progress their careers and and how we can improve. And I, I love that idea of kind of a safe space for ideas because, you know, that for me is really key to be able to to encourage ideas from all quarters and you've mentioned it obviously in the context now of diversity but you mentioned it earlier as well when you were talking about you know isolation and and in, in you know in a different context how do you create that safe space yeah so i don't want to pretend we've got all the answers because we don't um you know we're, we're continually trying to to get there and, and also just create a, a culture where folks are not afraid to call a senior partner or walk in a senior partner's office or you know or basically find a way to get their their ideas across we have to make sure that people realize that if you come forward with an idea it, we may not adopt it people may not agree with it it may not be the, the an idea that ultimately has traction but but you should absolutely feel that there will never be sort of any negative implication of coming forward with that idea thinking about lawyers i'm going to change change tack slightly now um, kind of the lawyer of the future I think you know for probably probably for as long as we've we've both been in the law it's always been talked about that you know lawyers need to be more than just technical lawyers they need to be able to you know relate to clients they need to be ha- be able to have different soft skills um, and obviously you know as as time's moved on technology has become begun to be something that lawyers need to embrace how do you think that that changes the way that we need to train our lawyers? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I mean, obviously, it, it depends which era or which which sort of time period you come from. Um, again, I'm, I might be embarrassing you here with uh, with revealing your age, but um, <laughs> but if if you recall back when we were trainees, we didn't even have blackberries. Um, you know, we we basically uh, if uh, on uh, on kind of a Friday night, if if the client didn't tell you you had to be there over the weekend, then you would go home and you'd have your your mobile phone, but you wouldn't have uh, uh, you wouldn't be able to get emails. So the client nine times out of ten couldn't reach you by month until Monday. Um, these days, if you if you started from that starting point, you know the the biggest change would be um, you know iPhones and Blackberries and an email on your phone. If you start from a younger generation, then for them they're they're taking it to a new level, which is they kind of 
they need to know how to, to obviously operate Excel and they need to be able to sort of run, run not models, but certainly be able to run, uh, you know, basic uh, math to, to test whether, uh, you know, waterfalls and, and JV documents, for example, if they, whether they work economically, you want to be able to, to basically run numbers through it. That's the ultimate litmus test. Um, and then this next generation coming up who would take that for granted uh, they, they need to be able to, to work, uh, you know, to, to, to effectively communicate over a video conference, uh, to be able to, to put, uh, you know, presentations up on, on Zoom, et cetera. So I, I think it's a difficult question to answer because it depends which stage you started from. Because if you said, if I said to today's generation, one of the key technologies you've got to be trained on is you've got to be able to, to answer emails on your iPhone, I think I would get some strange looks. I think they, they would basically call me a granddad. Um, but I think equally, uh, you know, the the some of the some of the changes that are happening now um, around video conferencing, probably in ten years' time or five years' time, even the next generation coming up will take that as completely, um, you know, just part of the background noise of their their job. So it changes almost on a on a generational basis. I would say to go back to the start of the the answer, you know, the job now from a connected perspective compared with where it was when we were practicing in London it's unrecognizable um, for good and for bad. Um, the upside is you can stay in touch with your clients. Your clients can reach you very quickly. Um, so you can you can always be available to them. The downside is you can stay in touch with your clients. They can always reach you and you're always available to them. So there, there are upsides and, and downsides to, to the technological revolution, but you can't deny that the technological revolution has happened in, in the legal industry. And I guess the interesting reflection there is there might be things that we can learn from the generations that, you know, that are following us, because actually there are certain things, particularly from a tech perspective, where they're going to do it so much better. It's quite humbling the first time that happens because you, you think you're quite tech savvy and then you realise you're you, it's not because you, you're you not good at something, it's because you didn't even know it existed. Uh, no question. We're, we'll all learn from the, the younger folks. And, and uh and it's good. I mean, it's 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 definitely made things more efficient. Uh, no question about it. That was Claire Rayson talking to Andrew Calder. And I've got Claire with me now. Claire, I noted uh, Andrew's openness for his team to always come to him with ideas. Did that strike you? Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, it was mentioned a couple of times um, how, you know, he really did want all of his attorneys to feel like there was a safe space for ideas and for sharing. And I think that, you know, that's something that I think particularly as everyone's working remotely is going to be harder to achieve than it perhaps sounds. Um, I think, you know, when you're in, in an office environment, it's quite easy to, to, you know, have an open door policy to, you know, work open plan to, to encourage that, that kind of cross fertilization of, of thought and ideas. Um, but something much harder to achieve, perhaps, in a, in this remote working environment that we're all in. I think that's right. And that kind of is consistent with what Alice Stevenson was talking about in terms of really trying to make the way the firm operates far more human. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I've had you know lots of conversations um, recently around the different models of firm that exist. And obviously, the remote working model is one that lots of firms have have had for for a number of years now and i think that the firms whose model has always been a remote one have really focused on that cultural aspect and they've really focused on you know how do we make sure that everyone feels that they're part of a team even though they're not working in the same place 
And I, I think that perhaps some of the firms who, you know, have this kind of way of working has been forced on them, you know, perhaps initially were thinking about the technology, they were perhaps thinking about process. But I think as time goes on, there is a realisation that that cultural piece is really important. And if firms don't get it right, um, you know, it, it's, it's really going to have an impact, I think. And that's for firms large and small it sounds like with, with Alice that was a real focus of hers and with Andrew similarly creating that openness creating that safe space that cultural safe space is a is a real priority absolutely and I think firms that get it right will really you know see the benefits as we go forward Claire thanks very much indeed for that and thank you too for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the lawyers coach Lawyers Coach is brought to you by Client Talk and Hansard Coaching. If you're enjoying this series, please rate us on your podcast provider so that others can find us. If you're a lawyer and would like to take part in Lawyers Coach, please visit our website, lawyercoach.co.uk, for further details. And you can also join the conversation on our LinkedIn group, Lawyers Coach. If there are any topics you'd like to hear us discuss, then just get in touch.